defense doesn't just win championships. Sometimes it wins fantasy leagues. And their defensive line, especially the interior, is getting better. Digzua, Watkins, they can rotate guys in. So he isn't really a tackle-heavy guy at this point, but he's a top 15 linebacker to do those big plays over the past four weeks. This is the IDP Heat Seekers. Howdy, folks. Welcome back to the Roto Heat IDP show here on Monday nights. Thank you for joining us. And I am not Brad, as you probably have guessed if you've watched the show before and by my name on here. And with me is also not Brad. We have Austin. How's your Monday night? Going well. Good to be a Monday again, as always. The weekend was not long enough, but good way to kick off the week, starting with a good IDP show. And we're going to have a fun one tonight. How about your... It was fun. A lot of just crazy weird stuff online. And then, of course, not to get a whole lot into it because it really isn't IDP related, but we had another big NFL trade this time with draft picks uh, yes. involved, which I don't okay, know. You know. Do you, th- do you have any thoughts on what you think New Orleans is trying to do with those picks? <laughs> Come on, Greg. No, I don't. I really don't know what New Orleans was doing in that trade. They moved up. What was it? Two spots from where they originally were. So I don't. And they think gained that, another first. Yeah, they did gain another first. When I thought about it, I'm thinking, this doesn't feel like a play for a quarterback. That move doesn't feel like an aggressive enough play, although maybe they're trying to acquire those picks to pair them and move up a little further. Maybe this isn't the last move that they make, or maybe they think that they have a shot to compete in their division, and this was a move to try to say, hey, we're going to go get a quarterback, and we're going to be able to add maybe another receiver, somebody for him to throw to. But I don't know. I'm not sure because it seems like they're pretty committed to Jameis Winston. So the move for me was very confusing. They did give up a 2023 uh, first round pick. They also gave up, uh, what was it, a second round pick as well. So the interesting part to me was, and that I spent more time thinking about, was less about what the Saints were doing and more about what the Eagles were doing. Because on one hand, they still have two first-round picks this year, and they'll still have two more next year. But on the other hand, uh, when I looked at this trade, I felt like they won the trade, if you're just looking at assets alone. And then on the other hand, I feel like they lost the trade, right? Because they're punting on first-round picks in a year that the Dallas Cowboys have had a less-than-impressive fantasy off, not fantasy, but off-season. And then additionally, the Commanders are the Commanders and the Giants are the Giants. It feels like the Eagles have an opportunity to seize their division this year. So I guess I just don't understand why you're punting on first-round picks. It's like sometimes I feel in some of my dynasty leagues that I'm just always rebuilding. And that's what the Eagles feel like they're doing. They're just, as long as they keep getting future picks, their fan base is going to be happy. And yes, the future is bright, but then it's just always that and you're always rebuilding. So yeah, yeah, I I just didn't understand how you, it it felt like they won the trade and lost the trade kind of at the same time. What, What were your thoughts? So my best guess, and it's a complete guess, of course, because we don't really know what they're doing. I think that they are just hedging their bets on how this next year goes with that expectation that, yeah, we feel like we can contend for the division title here, but if we don't, and they're saying all the right things about Jalen Hurts, but it's almost like they're safeguarding themselves to have an extra first-round pick next year already, where if this thing just goes south with Jalen Hurts, will they be able to trade up to get a 
quarterback, like one of these alleged top quarterbacks they think are going to be coming out like a Bryce Young, a CJ Stroud, something like that. Now, who knows if they actually come out, lots of things can happen between now and then, but it almost feels like, all right, this is maybe a down class from how they're looking at it. Like you said, they still have two first round picks. They give up one of those to get an extra one next year. Maybe they're just spreading it out because like, all right, we can pick up some extra picks and keep the same number of first round picks, but just in different classes. It feels like they maybe aren't in love with the prospects they feel they're going to be available around then. And like I said, keeping themselves available to make a move next year and wouldn't even have to be for a quarterback. But we know usually that's what the the big ammo trades are for if they decide to do that. It was certainly interesting. And yeah, I understood it less from the Saints side. They must have a plan, but you don't do that sort of like people said last year with the 49ers. You don't make this big of a deal. And it's even less understandable for me to do it in the middle of the draft. So they must really have guys that they like in that area, or like you said, another plan move planned out here. So, yeah, I guess the only thing that really I could figure for the saints that would make a lot of sense is they're probably tired of being in cap hell. And maybe they're looking at just trying to get younger guys, go from guys who are 32 to guys who are 22 as quick as they can and, and pay those guys a whole lot less money. Maybe this is a class that they've fallen in love with, or maybe there's some specific guys they're looking at and they wanted to go ahead and grab those. That would make sense from the financial standpoint, but outside of that, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, or I haven't made sense of it yet. So Yeah. We got about what, three weeks here to make sense of it before they actually find out what they're doing. So yeah, give people something to talk about for another three weeks here. Yeah. But speaking of... uh things to talk about here getting into our sort of topic of the night here we're going to be going into idp trade targets now of course there's more than these potentially that you'd be looking to trade for but we have a list of guys that we're going to be talking about here tonight and then of course if you have any questions i see we got one already please let us know throw them in the comments we'll get to those sort of in the last 10 minutes or so of the show depending on how many we have doesn't have to be about this topic we'll answer anything hopefully idp related but watching us over on YouTube, thank you, of course, as always. Make sure you hit that like button. Hopefully you're subscribed, but if not, subscribe and hit that notification bell so you see all the shows that we have here. We have this show on Monday nights. We have the Heat Seekers on Tuesday nights, and then Thursday nights they got the Debbie show. So we got all sorts of different stuff during the offseason here for you leading up to the draft. We are going to start here tonight with a guy that we had on our cover photo, Logan Wilson, linebacker for the Bengals. So Logan Wilson was a rookie 2020. So this is his third year we're going into here. He's uh, It's an interesting case because I think if he had been a healthy Austin, we'd be calling him a true breakout candidate last year. He had some really good games, but then he got hurt. Some of the games he's coming back from where he left early. He did have a really nice season. He had 100 combined tackles. He had a sack, five tackles for a loss. But then you really started to shine in the playoffs there leading up to the Super Bowl appearance. So how are you feeling about Wilson? We know that he's on your list here that we're going over tonight for breakout, or excuse me, guys to target. Do you feel like he's going to maintain that spot and then break out this next year? Yeah, I think so. When you look at Logan Wilson, you see a guy who, from a leadership standpoint, has established himself on that defense. The defense seems to rally around him. He's a guy who was really just one bad call away from making a huge difference in that in, in the Super Bowl. I thought that the play that he made on Cooper Cup, he could have gone either way, but I probably yep. would have kept the flag in my pocket. And I think that that play 
was a huge play that could have potentially won the Super Bowl for the Bengals. And that's just the type of player that he is. Physically, I think he's got all the, the traits that you look for. He, he checks all the boxes. He's not bad in coverage. He's actually really good. He's a middle linebacker. He leads the defense and he's just all over the place. I think he's a fin- phenomenal talent. One of my top linebacker targets. In fact, he's probably my number one target. If I could have him in every league, I would. I just love the way that he plays. He's got a good group of guys around him. And I think the future is really bright for Logan Wilson. He's still fairly young, so you know, no worries about there. It doesn't seem like that he's going to be moving anytime soon. So He's locked and loaded for you for fantasy purposes, and you should feel comfortable if you've got him on your rosters. And if you don't, you should definitely put some offers out because Craig said, he mentioned that the injuries that happened last year pushed his numbers down a little bit. Maybe he's an unrealized talent. I thought last year was his breakout season, but I think he could do even better this season. I, I fully expect him to do even more this season. Yeah, he had a really nice start to the year. From week nine on, he didn't break. For once, one of the games from week nine on, he broke six combined tackles. There was eight of them in week 16, or excuse me, week 17. And he was injured for a good four weeks in there. He got injured in one of those weeks. And I think that's why maybe he's a name that's a little under the radar right now is he doesn't have those stats for the whole year that a lot of people look at. You're going to have someone that only has 100 combined and 50-some solos. It's not really what people are looking at for a top-tier linebacker necessarily, but being only in his second year and what he showed, especially in that playoff run, yeah, I agree. He's a great guy to go target. You may be able to get a discount at this point. Yep. Moving on here, we're going to stick with the linebackers. Another one in the AFC. It is Jerome Baker, linebacker for the Dolphins. So he is going to be turning 26 this year, so still pretty young. He was a third-round pick in 2018 by the Dolphins. He's played his entire career there, and he does have an out potentially in his contract, but he's under contract for another two years with the Dolphins. So what do you like about Jerome Baker being on the Dolphins? I like Jerome Baker as the anchor of the Dolphins' defense. I like that they've got a few guys on the front line to wreak some havoc and get him free. I like his speed. He's all over the place. He's a strong tackler, good to the football and again, he's you know a middle linebacker who is the anchor of that defense, leading that defense, and should come up and make a lot of plays for you. Still pretty young and definitely a guy that I have targeting wherever I can get him as well. I know he's had his moments where he's been like a roller coaster of a player, a little bit of up, a little bit of a down. It's hard to get a feel for what he could be consistently, but if you can get that consistent high-level play out of him, he's going to be a fantastic player for you. Yeah, and he's an interesting case in that he did start quite a bit, even as a rookie. They had moved him around as far as where he's played as a linebacker, but he's had at least 57 solo tackles, 79 combined each year that he's played. He does have a few sacks. In the past two years, he has 12 and a half sacks to go with 16 tackles for a loss, which is great to see added in with those tackles. Do you have any sort of concerns about the new coaching staff taking over there? Do you think his role is cemented at this point? 
It feels like it's cemented because I'm not really sure that there's anyone on the roster at this point that's going to replace him. I don't really see any reason for the coaching staff to try to replace Jerome Baker. In my mind, you don't fix what's not broken, although we are talking about the Miami Dolphins here. So <laughs> I suppose anything's possible. It's all, yeah. it's, everything's on the table. And especially with this class being so deep and loaded at you know, all these defensive positions. But I think for him, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for them to try to replace the guy. I think he, he's pretty pretty solid in his starting role I, I would trust it going forward if i was targeting him i would trust that and i would go with it all right what, what do you think craig how do you feel do you think he's in any kind of danger at all i don't really because one of the things that he's graded out well at if you look at now i know there's this sort of like baseball head in the nba's head there's this new wave of stats that people are bringing in you know they call the next gen stats and that sort of thing that don't really jive with the old sort of view of some of the PFF stats and stuff. But if you look at some of these like coverage stats in particular, he's done really well as a coverage linebacker. And of course, that's where the league is moving towards more, where you're going to have more guys going out for passes. You're going to have to have your linebackers if you're keeping them on the field, covering a linebacker, excuse me, covering a running back, covering a tight end, just being able to move around and do that, which he can. I don't think he's in that format of that old school thumper that just isn't really the way that he plays, but he isn't, we talked about number-wise, having a deficiency in tackling either where it's going to be a detriment in your IDP league. So I think it's going to bear watching this year, but I'm not like moving him down in rankings or anything at this point until we actually see or hear something about that. Now, this next one is going to be an interesting case to talk about. Zaven Collins, he's a linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals in his second year. He was the 16th overall pick last year and proceeded to not do a whole lot at all. And actually, they kept around Jordan Hicks, who ended up having a great year for the Cardinals. Jordan Hicks has moved on. They did bring in a backup sort of level linebacker, Nick Vigil, who had one year, like less than $2 million deal. So it doesn't seem like they're expecting him to come in and take the job, and I have to assume that they want Collins to take that job next to Isaiah Simmons. But do you have any sort of pause with Zayvon Collins? And, of course, this is before the draft, before training camp and all that. Or do you feel confident that all right, he's going to get a shot this year after learning last year? I think the only pause that I've got with Zayvon Collins is just his ability to move. He's he's a little bigger. He's not really as athletic. He's not really your, your prototypical linebacker that you see, and you just physically, he doesn't jump off the page. But he does have good size. He's pretty big. Reminds me, I, I wouldn't say of not a comp necessarily, but like of a guy like Hassan Reddick, who is just not your prototypical linebacker, but still able to make plays. Zayvon Collins has always had a nose for the football. He's always been able to find the quarterback, find the ball, especially. I wouldn't say he's excellent in coverage, but he's just always in the right place at the right time, it seems. And that's probably just a testament to his football IQ and his ability to just play. So I like Zayvon. I think that he's, I have him on this list as a target specifically because uh, he really didn't get the opportunity last year like you talked about. You would have liked to have seen him been on the field more. Obviously, they had Jordan Hicks on the field. But now that Jordan Hicks has moved on, he should get a really great opportunity to try to make a stand and find his place on the defense and really make his presence feel felt, I guess you should say. But yeah, they did give a lot of draft capital for him. So the expectation is that at some point he's going to have to get an opportunity unless there's something that we don't know that we haven't seen where he's just not as great of a player as we may have thought he was. 
I still believe that it's just a matter of opportunity for him. So if he can just get an opportunity, I think a guy that you can get really cheap who could potentially have a really good return, probably actually one of the best returns on this list whenever I look at it would be Zayvon Collins. So if you're a gambler, I would say go for that. Do you recall where you had him as far as the rookie linebacker rankings after the draft last? Probably not as high as everyone else did, personally. For me... It was a top four for me. I don't recall offhand, but I'm like, I know I had Parsons. Yeah, Sort of the same situation. I had Davis ahead of him. There was probably another one. but Yeah, I had JOK ahead of him as well. So yeah, probably around that five spot, I would guess. Somewhere around there, four to five. Hopefully he pans out. I got a, a few shares of him in a couple leagues, and I was really high on him coming out of college as well. So we'll see here. I, I think he fits in nice to next to Isaiah Simmons, as you discussed. They're really different in terms of style of linebacker, and I think they can be a benefit to your defense and give you a lot of flexibility. So hopefully we get to see that pan out this year. Yeah. The one thing I would like to see him do more of is, is since he he is so different, is I would like to see some pass rush development from him. It's not really something that we saw a whole lot of in college. He played off ball a whole lot in college, but with his size and athleticism and just the way that he plays, he's really going to probably have to develop in that area of his game to really make the impact that you'd like him to. I think I'm, I'm trying to pull it up here now, but I think in college, his last year, I think he started to show that unless I'm completely off base here. Uh, he, he did all right as far as tackles for a loss, but yeah, sack-wise, he only had four his last year. So right. he did show progression, which is nice, but right. to your point, the NFL is a very different beast in being able to produce, and it wasn't like it he is. was blowing the waters blowing people out of the waters rather in college. Yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see, but he was a, a tackle machine. It was great to see him doing that. Yeah, and a turnover machine. All right, one more sort of true linebacker, if you will, here. And this guy's a little bit older, someone that's been around the block a few times here. Everyone's probably had a taste of him in their IDP leagues. Blake Martinez, linebacker for the Giants there in the middle. What are you liking about him this year where he's hopefully fully healthy? Yeah, I'd like to see him come back as the starting middle linebacker. I don't see any particular reason why he wouldn't. He's still fairly young. Obviously, he's been around for a little while, so he's got some tread on the tire. He's got less tread on the tires than a rookie who's fresh uh, out of college. But we've seen him play at a very high level, consistently be a top three linebacker every single year. He's a tackle machine. He's extremely fast and physical. I just love his game. I've always loved his game, and I hope that he can return from the injury. With the injury, I feel like a lot of people have forgot about him. I've seen rankings where he's not even in the discussion for top five or top ten linebackers anymore, and I think that is just an absolute tragedy um, because I think people are going to wish that they wouldn't have forgot about him once the season begins. So he's definitely a guy that I would be targeting if somebody's soured on him at all, or if somebody's forgotten about him, or maybe if he's been replaced on someone's roster by some new shiny toy. Don't forget who Blake Martinez is and who he has been. And if you can go grab him, definitely go grab him, because I think he would be a really great target. Yeah, he was the guy in the middle um, for quite a few seasons. I think a good four about he started in the middle for the Packers, where he just ate and had great numbers he was 144 or more combined tackles four years in a row 
He yep. had 86 as far as his few solos, 10, 10, 5, and 9 tackles for a loss. He was getting you past deflections. To your point, he was just great. And then last year, going to the new defense, there were some questions, although it felt like it was going to be similar where Giants didn't have a whole lot else there, that linebacker spot, and they had a decent defensive line. People were hopeful. Three games, didn't do a whole lot, got hurt, and he's working his way back. I think it will be interesting to see here. He did have to take a pay cut to remain with the team, and maybe that has to do with the regime change there. But at the same time, you can't overhaul a whole team in one year. Probably isn't going to be the best team on offense still. They have a more offensive-minded head coach now, so I know they're hoping to get strides made there. But I think the defense is still going to be on the field a lot, and if Martinez is healthy, I agree with you. I think he's going to be a great value. The fact that people have forgotten about him a little bit and just how good he was in terms of IDP production for teams. Yeah, and since it came up and since we're on the subject, I'm sure you can see the comments over here from Jazz. I know we said we'll get to these at the end. I did want to talk about this because we've been talking about these players and how they fit defenses and other players around them. We talked about Zayvon Collins and how he's a fit with Isaiah Simmons and players like that. But for Blake Martinez, a couple of the guys, and one of these guys specifically, we'll actually talk about a little bit later on our list, or two guys that have stood out to me that really stepped up last year was and Tay Crowder. And I like both of their games. I think they were able to get some extra opportunities with Martinez out of the lineup. But when Blake Martinez returns, I think those guys can really still help that defense out. I thought they both played really well in his absence. And so I think that'll actually be a positive both for them and for Blake Martinez whenever he comes back. Because again, we're talking about players who are doing different things that are all kind of complementing each other and being able to be inside of a unit that works together. And I think that all three of them will will be able to work together really well. I think those are your probably your top three guys in New York. We're going to move away. And like I said, we're going to come back to uh, talking about the Giants here in a little bit. We're going to move on to the safety position for now. Staying up in that part of the country, going to the Patriots, though, Kyle Duggar. And he is going into his third year here, drafted in 2020. He is going to be, I think, still a starting safety for the Patriots. Now, they still have Adrian Phillips, who played well last year. Devin McCourty is still there, the old stalwart of the defense sticking around. And they went and they signed Jabril Prep, excuse me, Jabril Peppers to a one-year deal, which I found interesting. But then again, when you think about it, to me, Bill Belichick has shown that he likes to use safeties up as linebackers quite often, especially in coverage. Phillips has done that a lot where he'd come up and play in a lot of the linebackers they've had previously. They re-signed one of them, Juwan Bentley. Uh, looks like Hightower's moving on, but both of those guys were really more that two-down thumper we had talked about previously that you usually get off the field for those coverage plays where Duggar, Phillips, maybe Peppers now will come up. So does the signing of Peppers give you any sort of pause for Kyle Duggar, or are you expecting him to really show up again this year? I think he's going to really show up again this year. I, I, I really hope that he does. Peppers is coming off of an injury as well. It's possible that I, I expect him to recover, and he's a fantastic player and they have similar games to be honest with you Kyle Duggar and Peppers but 
I thought Duggar played really well. He's a young guy. He's extremely fast. He's very physical, and he's a guy that you could walk up in the box and have him play some linebacker as well. Not quite as big as Peppers, but still a guy who played really well when he was called on to do that. So he's a guy that I'm high on just because of that. Anytime that I'm looking for safeties in IDP, I'm specifically looking for guys that are able to make tackles and are able to be it play in the box and play on the back end and be able to move around and stay on the field more often. I'm not necessarily looking for guys who are, you know, just playing in coverage and hoping that they're going to get a turnover. I'm like, I like the guys who are going to be able to do those things, but then also be able to come up, make the plays and be able to stay on the field uh, for more downs and get higher snap percentages. So I like Kyle Duggar. He's a really young guy who I would definitely gamble on. And if people are worried about peppers, maybe you can even get him at a discount. So he's a guy that I would definitely target for sure. I like him a lot too. I had him first year was a little rough hanging on to him. You know, he started about half the games he played in with 64 tackles, which is fine for a rookie, especially with Belichick and his aversion by and large to playing a lot of rookies. But this past year, he started 13 out of 15 games, 92 combined to your point. 70 of those were solo tackles, which you love to see from that safety position. And he got some pass deflections. Got you some tackles for a loss and four interceptions. So it'd be interesting to see how the defense changes, with, of course, with J.C. Jackson and those safety changes we talked about here. But I think he's shown enough that he could very well be a guy that we're talking about for another 10 years as a guy that you like to have back there in your secondary. Yeah, it does sound like Stephon Gilmore could be on the outs as well. But if he's on the field, if Kyle Duggar's on the field, I'm all in on him. All right, we're going to stick with the safety position here, and we're going to go to my favorite team, unfortunately for me, and no, I don't know why I continue to support them. It's just ingrained in my brain at this point. I'm a glutton for punishment. The Dallas Cowboys, Jerron Curse, their safety, re-signed with the Dallas Cowboys here, and uh, he had played really well for him last year. I want to talk about a breakout, a late breakout. He was the first four years about with Minnesota, then he went to Detroit. And now he's with Dallas. Last year, he had 15 games that he started out of 16. He had 101 combined tackles, which was almost 50 more than his previous career high. 67 solos. He had nine tackles for a loss, 10 pass deflections, two interceptions, fumble recovery. So he was all over the field. He was really useful as far as a piece to move around the field and that Dan Quinn defense. And, of course, he's coming back. Looks like the safety position has thinned out a little bit from how it was last year with him and probably Malik Hooker, if you had to look at it right now, probably being the two starting guys with Hooker being deep. He's only going to be there for one or two more years, and he's out of the people. We've talked about a little bit older here, but are you looking for a similar production out of him where other people might be thinking it's a one-hit wonder out of him? I am, and if you've watched any of the Dallas Cowboys games and if you've watched J. Ron Curse play, you'll see he's a vocal leader on that defense. He's one of those guys that, just like Mike, Micah Parsons, I think that defense really relies on him and his game and the way he played last year. So I don't expect that to change. I don't think that was by accident. In fact, I think that was all by design. So I would fully expect him, and I'm, I'm glad the Cowboys re-signed him. I thought that was very important that they brought him back, but... They were able to do that, and I think that it, it's going to be a good thing for him and for the Cowboys' defense. I thought that he played exceptionally well. Again, a guy who could come up and make plays, make tackles, and do different things like that. We saw, we heard the numbers over Omar, 
what was it, 100 tackles? Is that what it was? 101? Yeah, over 100, 100. Yeah, that's what you want from your safeties. That's really incredible production. And so if you're targeting a safety, he's a little bit older, but if you want a guy that's going to be able to you know, get in there and secure that spot for you and sure up your defensive backs, I would definitely go after him. Anytime you can get a safety and that safety is able to produce that those kinds of numbers on tackles and things like that, it's almost like you've got another linebacker on the field. So I definitely think that Jaron Curse is going to be a great asset to have, even if it's just a holdover for a couple of years or something like that. And... By the way, guys, it looks like maybe we might have lost Craig, but Craig will rejoin us and we are going to continue talking and let's see who we got over here. We have Marcus May. Marcus May is the next guy on our list. We've got a safety. He just signed with the Saints. Obviously, Marcus May last year was hurt playing for the New York Jets. Started off really strong. He's another one of those guys that when you're looking at safety, you, you want to go for a guy that's going to be able to make tackles. And he's definitely a guy who's physical, flies around the football field, makes those tackles. He's able to, to rack those tackles up. And as a result, he's able to give you great production from the safety spot. I am excited to see him out of New York, although he was very productive in New York. I'm excited to see what he's going to do in New Orleans with the Saints. And that Saints defense has always, you know, had good safety production, good, you know, linebacker production. Obviously, they've got a few good guys that are up front. So I think collectively, that's a good unit for him to land with and, and be on. So definitely looking forward to Marcus May this year, seeing what he can do if he can get back to his old self. Obviously, I think the injury, if I remember correctly, was an Achilles. It is something that you worry about with a guy that's his age. It's definitely concerning, but it's not something that we haven't seen players come back from. So as long as the age doesn't catch up to him and he's able to make a full recovery and still able to fly around the field and um, play the same way, I definitely think that he's a guy who I would be targeting for sure. And maybe one that you could get, again, for cheap, just because of the injury, because people may have forgot about what Marcus May is and what he can do. I definitely think that he could be a fantastic target for you in your IDP leagues. All right. So hopefully Craig will join us again soon. In the meantime, guys, we're hanging out, talking IDP. I'm going to keep this moving. In fact, I may be able to hop over here and just go through uh, some of the recent questions we were talking about the Patriots, um, talking about linebackers and defensive backs and things like that. Let's see. I'm going to actually go up here and talk to John. John has a question. He's in a 10-team, one-quarterback dynasty league where you start two defensive linemen, linebackers, and DBs. I guess two of each, John. Any rookies good enough to target in my rookie draft? Usually I just focus on skill positions. Yeah, so there are a ton of rookies in this class specifically for IDP that you could target. Defensive linemen are the guys that I really like. Travis Ford is a guy that I just... I love. I have fallen absolutely in love with him. I think he's going to be a really good talent. Davis from Georgia, who's the interior defensive lineman. But typically, when you're looking at the defensive lineman, you want to look at edge rushers. 
Kayvon Thibodeau, who's probably the best defensive lineman in this class, and then Aiden Hutchinson's your defensive end. Those are going to be pretty much some of your top guys. Those are your top two. But there are several in this class you can target at that position if you've got some needs there. As far as linebackers, clearly the top tier in the Kobe Dean. And my mind has gone blank now. But the guy from, I want to say he's from Louisville, he's also projected to go really high. Now, there's a couple of really good linebackers, but if you're able, not able to get your hands on the top two linebackers in this class, I really like Chad Muma. He's a guy from Wyoming who I think has a lot of potential. He flies around, gets a lot of tackles, and depending on where he lands in this draft, could definitely be a guy that I would target. Christian Harris from Alabama, maybe a guy that you might be able to target a little bit later, spend a little bit less on, and still be able to get a pretty decent return on him. As far as defensive backs, there's definitely some good defensive backs in this class. Obviously, with those guys, you want to see where they go and, and probably going to target safety. Jaquan Brisker, who's one of my favorite safeties in this class, he's excellent. Kyle Hamilton, who's going to go very high in almost all of your IDP leagues and in the NFL draft. Kyle Hamilton is going to be what I think an excellent IDP. There were some concerns about his 40 time and what he was able to do with that. I think unofficial or maybe, yeah, I think unofficial at his pro day, he ran like a 4.7. So that's a bit concerning. But when you put on the tape, you watch him, he's very rangy. He's able to move around the field, make some plays on the back end, as well as he's, he's not afraid to come up and make contact with guys and He's definitely going to slide right into a starting role just based on draft capital alone. That would be the expectation based on where they're projecting him for the NFL draft. So Kyle Hamilton, probably my favorite safety in this class. Definitely the guy that I would be looking at. And then for me, Lewis Sign from Georgia is another guy that I'm really high on. I think I've got him as my third overall safety and he should be very good. Cornerback, typically you can get those guys really late. I don't generally target cornerback. You've got Gardner from Cincinnati who just came out today and he firmly believes he's the best player in the draft. You've got to love that. Although I will say if they stick him out there and uh, teams are aware of just how good he is, and I'm sure if they're not, they will be soon because he's a fantastic uh, player. He's probably not going to get thrown as much as thrown at as much. And so he's a guy that I would worry about being able to have opportunity. He'll be on the field, but I'm not really sure too many people will go after him. Hey, Craig has rejoined us. We were talking a little bit. I talked John through some of the uh, rookie targets that we had. Uh, he had asked a question earlier. I thought, hey, this is a, a great topic that I can talk through while we wait for Craig to rejoin us. So you're back. Well, thank you. Welcome. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, always fun when... Of course, we just joked about the show like once a year. It was last year I had something go wrong uh, <laughs> with the show. And of course, it, it happens again. I jinxed myself. So yep. sorry, everyone, but glad to be back here. And I know Austin walked you guys through it beautifully. So thank you. I appreciate it. So real quick, what we did while you were gone, I did answer the one question, but I also did move on from J. Ron Curse. We talked a little bit about Marcus May with the Saints. If we can just real quick get your opinion on Marcus May. I talked through the injury, talked through the change of teams, obviously he, him being in New Orleans. What's your thoughts on Marcus May and what kind of price you could get him for? I find it really interesting. And again, maybe this has something to do with what the Saints are thinking, but they really only have one quality safety now with Marcus May there. So Chauncey Gardner-Johnson has played some safety, some leagues he's listed as a safety, but he's mainly a cornerback for him. And Malcolm Jenkins retired, which had been expected, although it felt like a surprise to me. I thought he was going to be coming back here with the team 
like you, to your point earlier, trying to compete here. So I don't know if they're going to be targeting another safety. If they do, it's going to be interesting to me how they use the two of them. But Marcus May has shown that he's able to be a playmaker before. He's a little bit older. I think he's going to be 29 this year, which I always joke about in Dynasty. Oh, you start getting up there, you know, people want to throw you to the waiver wire. And there's still value in those guys, especially with a defense that doesn't really have its linebacking core sorted out. Uh, and potentially a division where people are going to be trying to be putting up a lot of points. There's Tampa Bay. Carolina is uh, hopefully going to have McCaffrey back, and we'll see what they're doing on offense. But the Falcons, probably not so much. So I think that there's value in him as a later guy or a trade target that isn't going to cost you a whole lot. Yeah, wasn't his injury an Achilles yeah, so he had a great 2020 where he got franchised by the Jets, franchise tagged, and then he got hurt. He didn't play very well, but he got hurt and was out most of the year for the Jets. So it, it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back from that, too. Yeah, with his age and the Achilles injury, it's definitely concerning. But hopefully he can return because he could be a good player. All right, so we got uh, moving on to next position player here. It's going to be Aziz Ojolari, who is an edge player. He didn't have a ton of playing time and production to start the year for the Giants, but he came on strong at the end of the year and really flashed as to why they took him where they did in the draft there. And I don't have him memorized here, but I think he was a, a top 15. Correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm off the top of my head. But either way, I'm, I'm pretty sure I he wish was I did. I almost remember. But oh, yeah. I'm way off. I think that might have been in the second round. He was in that range because he was the second round pick. For the Giants. I yeah, he, he didn't thinking. quite go in the first. I thought he would go at the end of the first, and I think he slid into the second. You're right. He was projected to go that high, and I think there were a lot of people, myself included, that there was injury talk about maybe as to why it did something came up close to the draft. But he did fall to, I think, pick 50 I have down here. Potentially looking like a steal, but he's a very explosive guy off the edge there. Do you think that, that he's going to take a step forward here for the Giants? And you know, We talked about Martinez and Crowder there earlier. Yeah, I do. I do. I like his game a lot. I think he's, we talked earlier about Zayvon Collins and his ability to get off the edge and be an edge rusher, even though he's a linebacker. This is the same for Aziz Ojolari, who he is a kind of one of those hybrid edge rusher, outside linebacker guys. Typically when you're you're going for a linebacker in, in, in fantasy or in dynasty, I look for middle linebackers because I know those guys are going to be on the field more. They're going to be subbed off less and so i typically look for middle linebackers but if i'm going for an outside linebacker i definitely want somebody who is is going to either be good in coverage or be able to get off the edge and so that's going to allow them to stay on the field a little bit more and maybe get them into some of those other packages where they're able to create some pressure off the edge or be able to drop back into coverage and make make plays so for him i like him i think that he'll be just fine i'm pretty high on him definitely a young guy entering into his second year i thought he played exceptionally well for being a rookie and so he's a guy that i would target pretty highly if you're looking to get younger on your defense and definitely a guy who should be able to rack up not just the tackles like he's not going to give you a hundred tackles but he's definitely yeah. going to be able to give you some of those tackle for lost plays and potentially get to the quarterback and get some sacks for you. Yeah, and his rookie year, he had eight sacks, and he started off hot, and I'd, I'd forgotten that myself. I know he had that big game in the middle of the year with Carolina where he had two and a half sacks, but he had a sack each of the first three weeks. He ended with eight total. He had eight tackles for a loss 
and he had 49 combined, which for a guy that was unlimited playing time on a complete mess of a defense, that's a very nice first year for him. So it's nice to see that. I feels like he got overshadowed in that division by just how crazy Micah Parsons went. Yeah, absolutely. Another edge player that this is one I specifically threw on this list here to get your thoughts on. He's a guy that's been around longer, although he's only going to be 26 this year, which I find interesting. Bradley Chubb. Yeah, he's a lot younger than you'd think because he's been in the league. This will be his fifth year with the Broncos, although he at least one year there last year too, but the second year in the league, he had injury things pop up. So first year was great. 12 sacks, 60 combined, 14 tackles for a loss. Of course, he was opposite. Von Miller, 2019, the second year, he only played in four games. Sack, 21 combined, five tackles for a loss. 2020, bounce back, 14 games, seven and a half sacks, 42 combined, nine tackles for a loss. And then this past year was, again, the lost year for him. I think he was working his way back from an injury that happened at the end of 2020. Um, But he played in seven games. He had 21 combined. No sacks, only one tackle for a loss. It just wasn't good year overall for the Broncos, really, on the defense with the linebacker roulette, the injuries that traded away Von Miller. So one of the reasons I have him on here, one, he has the pedigree. He was a really high draft pick. I think he was a top five pick for the Broncos where they got him. He's still young. Like I said, he's going to be 26 this year, and he's going to have someone else, not Von Miller level maybe, but a little bit younger than Von Miller and certainly a quality pass rusher if he can stay on the field than Randy Gregory. And I wanted to get your thoughts because he seems like a guy for how high he was taken in the draft and how young he still is. And he gets forgotten when we talk about these edge rushers. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And I think part of the reason is, again, we've talked about some of these guys like Aziz Oluwari and Zayvon Collins, who he's a little more physically gifted when you look at him. He's, 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 got, he's a physical specimen, a little more than uh, Zayvon is. But I would liken Bradley Chubb more to Zayvon Collins than I would to Aziz Ojolari. Not a blazing fast guy and not just physically imposing, although he's pretty big and stout for a linebacker. But he's a guy who can come off the edge, and he is a guy who's effective off the edge as well. He can create pressure if he's able to stay on the field, like you alluded to. I think he's going to he's gonna be the guy who brings the veteran presence to that team. We saw Von Miller there before, who was the you know, unquestioned veteran leader of the defense. And then when he departed, you saw that go towards Bradley Chubb. And and I thought that he was going to be that. I don't think that Randy Gregory is a threat to him in any way. I think their games are completely different. I think what they do and what the Broncos are going to ask them to do are going to be completely different. But I think if Bradley Chubb's able to stay on the field, I'll be curious to see what kind of production you could get out of him. I would probably caution and say don't overspend on Bradley Chubb. But if you're able to get him at the right cost, he's certainly a guy that you could get a really great deal on because, like you said, people have forgot about him for one reason or the other. Or maybe people just feel like he's old. I know that like when you said, oh, he's 26, like that caught me off guard. I was not expecting that. Yeah, I was not expecting that. So. Yeah, maybe that's a reason in itself, too, that you could get a really sweet deal on a guy like that. Yeah, and the other thing to think about, he's a guy that uh, they really haven't had a really good offense in the past few years there with the Broncos, and it's going to be a completely different dynamic where they're going to have teams. We'll have to see what that division, because talk about a division to be in. But aside from that, when those teams are playing against, their offense is going to be able to put up points more 
than they're used to, which is going to lead to more pass rushing opportunities. So if he is healthy staying on the field, he should get those chances more and we'll see what he can do with them, of course. But yeah, that I'm excited to see what he, I'm trying to bring it up here because one of the other reasons. So we transitioned in one of my main leagues from this is at the start of last season to having an edge position specifically where you have to start two edge players. And then we had linebackers split out and I ended up making a trade of Fred Warner for Bradley Chubb. And of course that was, I was uh, stacked at linebacker and probably could have gotten more for Warner if they're looking at this a year later, but I'm invested in him a little bit and hoping he can be an edge player for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. We're moving on from the edge position. We're getting down to the defensive tackles. Now, these guys will have the potential to be impact players across the defensive line and not just defensive tackle leagues, but certainly in defensive tackle specific leagues, these are some guys that you can be paying attention to here. So the first one we're going to look at, Quinnen Williams. He's a guy that is still pretty young himself. He just turned 24 in December. Big dude, and he's had some for the Jets, so haven't had a whole lot else with him across the defensive line, but he had... Two and a half sacks and 28 combined tackles his rookie year. But then after that, seven sacks, 55 combined, and 10 tackles for a loss. And even in that mess of a year last year, still had six sacks, 53 combined, and seven tackles for a loss. And I know head coach Robert Sala is really excited for him still because he's a beast. I think he was a third overall pick in the draft that he was in a couple of years ago. So are you feeling like it's finally going to happen? He's going to put it all together with a little help, at least on that defensive line in New York. Yeah, I do. And I'm glad you talked about the little help. There were some injuries last year on that defensive line that I thought really impacted impact players on the defensive line that hampered his ability to be as effective as he probably could be. Although he still, like you said, had a really good year. You've seen that the production improve year over year. And that's exactly what you want to see from a guy like that. He is physically imposing, not to say Aaron Donald, but like Aaron Donald-esque, where he is just, he's going to move somebody. And if you play in a league that does have the defensive tackle position, he is definitely one of the, the guys that I would probably most high on. His age is great. And I think that they're going to have to lean on him to be able to make plays in the middle create some disruption he's able to get to the quarterback as a defensive tackle as well as anyone so he's definitely a guy who i would be highly targeting if you're able to get your hands on him and you play in a defensive tackle league for sure yeah i don't have any leagues where um i take that back i do have a league where you have to play a defensive tackle, but a lot of mine have moved to at least interior line positions, which is more when you have that edge position, it takes out those four, three defensive ends, three, four outside linebackers to the edge players. Then you have those three, four linemen across the board and the four, three defensive tackles. And I know it's being very generic, but that's how sites are starting to do this with these positions. For those interior linemen, then I have him as my, I think number four, Quinton, that is, ranked interior lineman. And I know he really hasn't played up to that at this point, but what he has shown with, to your point, very little help and the potential I see in him, I'm really excited for what he can do here. Yeah, agreed. And someone else that's in a very similar position that I'm also excited about here, we have uh, Christian Wilkins to end off our IDP target 
list here. So Christian Wilkins is a defensive tackle. He's for the Miami Dolphins, and he was drafted in the first round in 2019, and he's uh, 26 as well here. So about the same age, and he didn't have necessarily the same sort of career arc. Hasn't shown as much get to the quarterback potential, but he, he did show it off last year. So he had first two years, he had three and a half combined sacks and seven tackles for a loss. So not a whole lot. He was playing. He did uh, start most of the games that he played in those first two years. This past year, four and a half sacks and 10 tackles for a loss. So nice improvement. Four pass deflections, a forced fumble here. But man, looking at those tackles for a defensive tackle, 89 combined with 49 solo tackles. Well, that's about as good as you're going to see outside of you know, Aaron Donald or something like that. So some people may think that this is a sort of outlier year for him. Of course, again, different defensive coordinator here with the staff changeover but how are you clearly he's a target for us but how do you feel he's going to adapt we can be seeing more of this here or you, you thinking maybe it's a little bit of a reduction coming up it's possible that you could see some regression from him although i will say i i love his game i love the way that he plays although when you watch him play it doesn't seem like other people on the field really enjoy his game because he is a bit of a pest and yeah. he's he, he likes to talk he likes he's got the on-field antics but that's just part of his game he likes to get in people's heads and um, i really personally enjoy it i think it's fun to watch but i love the fact that he was he made such a, a giant leap last year to get the production that he was able to get and if he's able to even come close to that we talked already about if guys are getting 50 tackles plus on the defensive from a defensive tackle position that's what you want to see and so he's got room for regression and still would be a guy that i would love to have on my team and so from that standpoint if there's any regression i think you can live with that and if there's not then you're probably just over the moon about christian wilkins you would like to see those sack numbers get up a little bit he's still making the tackles for loss so that's really good and he's actually got some pass deflections and things like that so he's able to get his hands up um, do some things create some you know problems for quarterbacks outside of just the pass rush so he's the guy that i'm very high on and would definitely be targeting and that's going to do it for us tonight as far as our IDP trade targets to go over here. So thank you for going over those with us and spending time talking about them. want to make sure that if you're watching us on YouTube again, you hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notifications so you can see our beautiful faces on Monday nights and then the Dynasty Heat Seekers on Tuesday and the Devi Show on Thursday. We will be back, as Craig said, next week. And we will see you guys then. Thank you, everyone, and have a great night. The IDP Heat Seekers is a proud member of the Roto Heat family of podcasts. Find more content on Dynasty, Redraft, Devi, and more at rotoheat.com.